I'm Chelsea. I'm Deidre. And we're giving you a million murders. Welcome back to our show. Yes, hello. How's it going? Good. Good. How's it going? Well, I was comfortable, but now my butt's kind of numb. Uh-oh. So I'm like leaning up. With a numb butt. You got it's a, like you right got... in the, the tailbone. I'm like, oh, my butt. You don't have a pillow behind you. I know. Okay, well, I'm sure everybody doesn't want to hear about my butt. So. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, I'm excited about today because I'm excited about this case I'm about to do. I'm excited too. So do you want to know what it's called? Yeah. I mean, you already know. But I do, but I don't know what you're going to do first. <laughs> so I'm going to be covering the movie. Well, not the movie, but the movie When a Stranger Calls is yes. based on a true story. And it's completely different. Like, then I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Okay, so, the true story behind When a Stranger Calls. Okay, so, I'm sure many of you have seen the movie. If not, that's rude. Um, (laughs) You need to. It's really good. Um, There's an older version of this movie, and then there's a a much newer one. Mm -hmm. So, if you haven't seen the movie, you know, I'll just give like a quick rundown of basically what happens right. not like necessarily what happens but basically there's this babysitter at this house and while she's babysitting she keeps getting calls from a stranger and i have a little voice thing kind of playing like what they like what he says so i'm gonna play that real quick but it's not gonna give i'm not gonna give away like what happens or anything like that neither does the clip okay but i just thought it was kind of neat i'm just gonna go ahead and play it so Ooh. So there's a little rundown of what this girl's going through. Like you yes. get like the last one, she's like, "Hello," because she's just <laughs> she's like, like one, she's over it, but two, she's probably like freaked out. Yeah, she's like, "I know it's him calling again." Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. No, I haven't either. Childhood, childhood. Yeah, like, we're old. We're not old. <laughs> but yes, so too old. <laughs> It was making just scratching. So today I'm going to tell you the true story behind when a stranger calls. However, I will let you know it is quite different. Okay. Quite very very different. Okay. You know, oftentimes when movies are based on true stories, they're often dramatized a lot, and it's like you don't realize it. A lot of people don't realize it. So whenever they're watching movies, they especially think, scary movies, it's they based think on this is exactly everything happened. Exactly. Yes. No. Rest assured, it's... No, it didn't. Which I'm sure it 
has like happened before. Happened before no one just knows about. Yeah. Oh god. Ugh, could you imagine? Whew. But yes. So uh it's definitely the case in this case mm-hmm. what happens. <laughs> so it really isn't similar to the movie, but it's a very interesting case, and I think you guys might have a lot of thoughts and opinions on this one because it's crazy. Oh Lord, I'm ready. So Janet Chrisman, I think I hopefully I'm saying her name right. I'm pretty sure I am. I would hope so. Chris Mann, that's how you spell <laughs> it. Like Chris the name and then Mann the man. Chris Mann. <laughs> Chris Mann. Actually, it's Chris Mann. <laughs> So, Janet Crispin was born on March 21st, the day before my mother's, but 1936, (laughs) in Boonville, Missouri. Okay. She was the oldest daughter of Charles and Luna, I love that name, Crispin, and she had a younger sister named Rita Crispin, and also a newborn sister named Cheryl Crispin. Crispin. Ooh, it could be Crispin. Could be pronounced that way, too. So, if it's that way, sorry. <laughs> Don't mean to say your name Christman wrong. today. I have a name where people say my name wrong too, so it's okay. <laughs> the family lived in Boonville for a while, but eventually moved to Columbia, Missouri. They were known as a very nice family, very good people, and they were known in their community for owning a restaurant, which was called Ernie's Cafe and Steakhouse. Oh, I thought that was neat. Cafe and Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they lived in the upper floor of that building, which is like normal back in the days like that. Yeah, you like live if you above something, you... you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure it was a lot easier back then. It would probably be a lot easier now, too. Like, you wouldn't have to worry about, like, two... Paying so much on, like, two different things. Yeah. Like, if you own something. Which, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're, like, fine nowadays, Right, yeah. But... You just go right downstairs and go to work and... Oh, I was gonna say, sorry for the last episode that was posted because I sounded like I was (laughs) drunk but I was so tired I had not slept I worked third so yes it was a long day and there's probably gonna be a couple more because we we like recorded three that day so yeah three or four Mm -hmm. so yeah so you hear me drunken again sorry I'm not (laughs) really lasting for four episodes and you don't know when those four episodes are gonna air (laughs) so So, the time that all this happens, Janet is 13 years old, and she's in the 8th grade. Okay. Just at that age where someone might babysit, you know, or help mom out. You know, back in the day, back in my day, our day, kids that age was trusted. Like, we were just, I don't know, I'm not trying to say that the generation now is, like, not as mature as we were, but, I mean, we were pretty... We were pretty mature for our age back then. Well, and our parents were, like... Some well, not my parents, because they are older. We but, were like, raised a lot differently too than people are now. Yeah, well, and, and then like to do you've it. got people back then. These are like latchkey kids. Like, oh yeah, these kids are like you're twelve, you're ten. Like you can you're watch old the enough kids. to you're old enough to take care of yourself, basically. <laughs> yeah, and and these children, mm-hmm. these small children. The seventies was rogue, man. Yes. Like you ate, you can watch the baby. Uh-huh. And I mean, this was in forty six, seventy nine, forty nine. Because she was born in 36 and she was 13. Oh, this is the 50s? Well, or 49? Yeah. yeah That's the year my dad was born. The year my dad <laughs> was born. This was... <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, I mean that was a while ago. Yeah, so... <laughs> 71, two years yeah. ago. <laughs> so, Janet was a well-liked person. She'd done really well in school. She was also highly involved in her church. 
Mm-hmm. She was in the church choir. She had a great singing voice, and she was also very smart. Mm-hmm. Well, in her spare time, she liked to play the piano, which I grew up piano with piano lessons. My sister yes, did. Yes. My sister took it more further than I did, but you know, I loved piano. I could still lessons. tweak on the piano. <laughs> so just mellow, nice girl all around. Yeah. Janet was also known to be a very hard worker. Because growing up, her family sometimes struggled, and that really taught her, you know, to work hard in life and to earn the things that she wanted, which is great for a kid to learn at such a young age. Yeah. That life does not... Hand you everything. Exactly. Yeah. Like, a lot of people don't understand that, but it's whatever. If they get by <laughs> with it, that's fine. No hard feelings. <laughs> so, Janet was a normal teenager living a normal life up until March of 1950. So, it was a Saturday evening. This is so crazy. Oh, my God. Okay. So, I'm just going to say, this is going to be a trigger warning case. And I'm going to mention it when we get closer, but it's going to be a trigger warning. Okay. Nothing nothing yet. Right. There's a little bit coming. of ways, but I just feel like I should just prepare you along this ride. <laughs> yeah. So, Saturday evening, March 18th. At that night of that day, her school had a dance for the students. Mm-hmm. Janet was originally going to go, but she got an offer to babysit, and she couldn't turn down a babysitting job. Yeah. You know, she really liked to babysit. Yeah. She's I mean, trying to make them coins. Money, yes. And she actually only babysat for two different families. That was it. Mm. Her parents were very protective of her. Her parents were very protective of her. Yeah. So they only let her babysit for people that they trusted and knew, and it was just happened to be just two families. So, the two families are the Romack and the Mueller's. Okay. Remember, we had a, we had a Coach Mueller? Mm-hmm. <laughs> On this evening, she was going to be babysitting for the Romack family for their three-year-old son, Gregory. And the parents' names were Ed, Ed and Ann. They were really fond of Janet, trusted her as well, and really liked her. And like I said, Janet really liked to babysit and... Like you said, you're trying to get them coins. Yes. She was actually saving up for this burgundy suit that she was wanting to wear on Easter. So, well, mm-hmm. she was, she was, <laughs> she's like, I'm, get, I'm about to show out in this burgundy suit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I need them coins. She was ready for it. <laughs> and so Janet showed up at their house around 730 PM, ready to babysit. And their family lived in a rural area. It was very isolated. Oh, no. So, just imagine how dark it is out there. Because there ain't no street for street lights. Yeah, there's like not street lights in general no, at not, this point. Yeah, well, I don't even know why. Yeah. Like, in the country, it's dark. Yes. Darkness. So, just imagine babysitting for someone at night in the dark like that. Mm-mm. Out, mm. no, no one around. Whew. Yeah. Nope. Like, mm. Scared. So... The address is 1015 Stewart Road, which is directly... My mouse is sitting on the, whatchamacallit? The thing that pops up at the, the bottom. The thing that pops up at the bottom. <laughs> and so, it still popped up and it won't go away. So, oh. it's just kind of like a waiting game right now. <laughs> and it's, of course, it's Joe Biden's face. Ugh. Go away. Thank you. Okay. Okay, everything is fine. We're ready. So, the address. It's directly on the outskirts of Columbia, okay. Missouri. Mm-hmm. At this time, the family only had one kid, Gregory, but Anne was actually pregnant with their second, 
and so they really wanted to have you know me time before they had the baby mm-hmm. so they were going on a date well they were going on a date night Mm-hmm. When Janet arrived, they showed her how their son liked to fall asleep to the radio at night. It's like a new thing he, I guess, he liked. Oh. Well, then Ed showed Janet how to use his shotgun, which is really smart. Yeah. How to unload it, load it, how to fire it, and everything. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she pretty much, he pretty much gave her, like, gun lessons. Yeah, he gave her a little shooting lesson, mm-hmm. like, all right, if some stuff goes down, here's how you use it. Yes. Well, he put it by the front door. Yes. Uh, just in case anything happened. Mm-hmm. And as they were leaving, they told her to make sure that the door was locked. Obviously, not to let anyone in. Yeah. I need to take these bristles off. <laughs> so, if you heard some jangalangan, my bad. I'm just going to take one off because, yeah. well, I'll hit the table. I know I will. Ow. Okay. So... Make sure the door is locked. Obviously not to let anyone in. If anyone came to the door, to turn on the porch light. And then they left. Now, they told her to leave the door locked and only have the porch light on unless someone is at the door. If no one's at the door, there's no reason for the light to be on. That's just how they wanted it. Yeah. So, the weather was already bad. Throughout the evening, it started to get a lot worse. The temperatures were in the mid-20s, and there were storms, sleet, hail, all that. So then, 10.35 that night, a frantic call came into the police department of a woman who was just screaming in sheer panic and was saying, come quick. The officer that had answered the call was named Roy McCallan. And unfortunately, there was nothing that he could do in this situation because back then they didn't have any sort of way to, like, trace the call easily. Yeah. Back then, it was a very complicated process to trace a phone call and to get an address, and it could take hours. Yeah. What was crazy is they didn't even have a switchboard to trace the phone call back at the police station. Like, there wasn't anybody... It was somewhere else, and there wasn't anybody there working the switchboard that night. So there was nothing anyone could do because, I mean, the call was cut short before he could even ask for an address. So, oh, basically God. the person that called in is like screwed, pretty much. Yeah, like, give that address. If by some miracle, something, you know, lucky someone showed up or something, but at this point, there's nothing that they could do, and it's, that's sad. Yeah. That that's how but we've come a long way for sure yeah so that night ed and ann had actually gone out with the other family that janet would babysit for Mm -hmm. the mueller family so they were all together and they were at the moon valley villa Anne decided to call back at the house and check on janet to see how everything's going no one picked up the phones and she got worried but then she just assured herself that everything was probably fine and went back to join the group. And then they ended up spending a few more hours out thinking, you know, everything was fine. They actually stayed out till like one fifteen, I think, in the morning. Oh, dang. In the 40s? Yeah. What y'all doing? 50s. The 50s. But still, 50s. Yeah. Well, they finally headed home and got back to the house at like one thirty-five. So, this is like a 20-minute drive. Yeah. What's even Which open they're not in that the far. 50s? I don't know. That late. But they just well, sit in the park somewhere. 
it I'll t- it tells where they're at a okay. little later on. Well, when they got home, they immediately noticed that the porch light was on, which they had turned off when they left and told Janet yeah, to yeah. only turn it on if someone oh. came to the door, mm-hmm. which automatically concerned them. Mm-hmm. Well, they also noticed that all the front window blinds are open, and that seems kind of strange to them, which, I mean, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So they started heading towards the front door, trying to find their keys, when all of a sudden that they realized that the door's already unlocked. So this also concerned them because they told her to keep the door locked. Yes. They walked in and saw a horrific scene. Trigger warning. Okay? I'm about to tell you how she was found on the set. So, Janet was lying right there when you opened the door. Mm-hmm. On the living room floor. On the shag carpet in a pool of blood covered in bruises clearly not alive yeah and not only had she been not only had she been murdered but she had also been sexually assaulted mm. well she was found okay trigger warning i know i've already said it but there's some details like that there's are just, more oof, stuff yes yeah. so she was found with her legs spread apart with one slipper on her foot she had a really serious head injury and she had clearly been hit with some type of blunt object mm-hmm. not only that but she had multiple puncture wounds but from a mechanical pencil mm. well there was also a cord that was cut from an electric iron that was tautly wrapped around her neck mm-hmm. so she had clearly been strangled yep their landline phone was found off the hook, lying on the floor, just a few feet away from her. So she clearly made that call to the dispatch right before she was attacked. Mm. So the call that I was mentioning earlier was not a woman, but it was her. It was the 13-year-old girl saying, come frantically, quick. like, panicking, like, come quick. So as soon as they saw Janet, they immediately ran upstairs to check on the baby because one... They already realized that she was already gone. So, I mean, there was nothing they could do. But mother-father instincts are going to run and check on their child. Yeah, yeah. Baby, yeah. you know. So, luckily, Gregory was found completely unharmed, still fast asleep. Mm. And they immediately called the police. You know, a lot of people are probably like, why didn't they call the police, you know? Well, you never know what you're going to do in that yeah, situation. You don't know if if your child's there, there, like you need to make sure. Yeah, that the baby's still fine. there. If the baby's so alive. You know what to report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was multiple detectives there. Bloodhounds were there as well. Mm-hmm. Well, inside the home, there were clear signs that Janet had tried to fight off her attacker. There were blood smears, fingerprints found in the living room and also near the back door, which had been left open. The bloodhounds were able to pick up a scent of the, of the attacker and were able to track it all the way up the street for about a mile before they lost it. So, they think this person was on foot. Yeah. They also found footprints near the back window of the house, which had been shattered. Yeah. It had been shattered with a garden hoe that was normally kept inside of the house, which is weird. Like, why? I don't know why people well, Why is there a garden hoe in the house? Yeah, like, people were thieving back in the day, I'm sure. Yeah, they're like, okay, still in my hole this time. they be thieving still now. Yeah. <laughs> like, people. Mm. One thing that really complicates this case is that the house was located in the area that had police departments from two jurisdictions. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. So, overseeing it, 
or two jurisdictions overseeing it. I didn't yeah. finish my sentence. Like, mm-hmm. always. <laughs> like, do y'all expect anything more? <laughs> so, two departments showed up. Mm-hmm. And they had completely different opinions of what happened at the crime scene, which... Yeah. Ugh, complicated. Yeah. The main thing that they disagreed about was how the killer got into the house. One jurisdiction thought that Janet let them into the house because she may have known this person. Maybe it was someone that she was friends with, someone she trusts. Well, this, this theory is backed up by the fact that Ed had told her specifically to turn on the porch light if someone came to the door. Yeah. So it makes you think that someone came to came to the door or through the door, but that doesn't explain the window. Yeah, being shattered. Yes. So they also don't think that Janet would have opened the door for someone that she didn't know. Just because, I mean, they knew this kid, like... Yeah. She just didn't seem like the type of kid that would let a stranger in. Yeah, no, and she was told not to. Yes, she was told not yeah. to. I mean, there's a three-year-old in the, in the house. Like, you don't want to do that anyways. Yeah. So, also, that shotgun was completely untouched that Ed had left by the door. Yeah. So, it's kind of like a back and forth kind of thing in this case. Like, this happened, this happened, and you hear more evidence or more theories, and it's like, who didn't think about that? Yeah. So, you can say if Janet was really scared and a stranger came to the door... She probably would have picked it up, but then again, some people freeze in moments like that. Like, you just really never know what you're going to do in situations like that. Like, you could have a shotgun and be ready and prepared to do what you got to do, but when that moment comes, are you actually going to be able to go through with it or do it? Like, you just never know. Yeah, and she's 13. And she's 13, exactly. She's 13 years old. Also. just never... I'm thinking, okay, what if the person comes to the door, she flicks it on, doesn't recognize them, or they try to get in, and she's like, I can't let you in, and then they go around the back and yeah, break see, in. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And then she may have been somewhere else in the house, And they ran Like, the if gun. they ran from the door and she didn't, didn't have time to turn the light on, like, she went to go for the phone or something. Yeah. And, yeah. Like... Yeah, she that could explain the light being left on. Yeah, like she turned it on. They came to the door. They were like, "Oh, okay." Acted like they were just gonna leave, mm-hmm. and then waited a little bit. Broke the window, and then she may not have even been near the gun until it was time to call the police. And then by that time, he's already yeah gotten in there. Yeah, it makes you think, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, they seem to think she knew them. Mm-hmm. And that they attacked her in a surprise way, mm-hmm. which could also be what happened. You know, you just never know. Yeah. So, the cord that she was strangled with was cut from an iron that's normally stored in the sewing room. And that's also where the pair of scissors were taken from, because there was a pair of scissors that was taken. Hmm. Okay. So, the police thought that this was strange, that the person knew exactly where to get the items that they needed within the house... And made them think maybe they were familiar with the house as well. Yeah. And maybe someone, it was someone that the family knew. Yeah. Well, but the problem with this theory is there was a piano right underneath the window. And it had just been shined, waxed. It was still in really good condition. It didn't look like anybody had walked on it. 
and there wasn't any smudges, there weren't dents, fingerprints, nothing. They said, you know, you'd have, you would have had to get on this piano in order to get out of that window or come in that window. Okay, so the window that's broken has a piano underneath it, and there's nothing. So it's like a wall piano, I guess, or something like I'm. It was just right a, there under the window. Yeah, I'm picturing if it's under the window, maybe it's a. Hell, maybe it's high windows. I don't know. Okay, but anyway, point is you can't get through it. Yes. Because these two jurisdictions couldn't agree on what had happened, this really messed up the investigation. So, obviously, a case like this back in the 50s. Yeah. Excuse me. Really shook the community. Hearing that an 8th grader was babysitting and they were murdered, raped, and that, you know, that person was still on the loose. They couldn't find them and everyone was just really freaked out. So, law enforcement ended up working around the clock. My hip's asleep trying to solve this case they even performed searches in the surrounding areas hoping to find clues talk to as many people as they could they reached out to the public and asked locals to call if they knew anything you know that could help them solve this case or had any information or if they knew anyone that was acting like a little bit suspicious or anything like that yeah just off weird that normally doesn't mm-hmm They also interviewed Janet's friends, family, anyone who was in her life, tried to paint the best picture they could of her, uh, see if maybe they knew anything or had a good lead that they thought maybe could have happened. Right, like somebody who was bothering her Mm -hmm. or something that happened, yeah. If she had any issues with anybody, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, during this process, they formed a list of potential suspects through strategy, or their strategy was just bring as many people as they could in to talk to them. Yeah. Ask questions, you know, question them, and hopefully one of them will be the person who did it. Yeah. There's basically at this point, that's what they were that, hoping yeah, for. Yeah, that's all I they mean, can do. I think do. that's what anybody hopes for, obviously, in cases like this. Yeah. Well, it became very, very clear, very quickly clear, that this police department had a serious racial bias because pretty much all the men that they brought in were black, Oh, okay, great. So, the whole process was pretty messed up, didn't really lead anywhere. So, for the most part, nothing like this had really happened in this town, nothing this bad. Right. Except for four years earlier, there was another girl who was murdered, raped, pretty much the same way that Janet was. What? Yes. And her name was Mary Lou Jenkins. Okay. She was also home alone, and she was only a mile away from the house that Janet was babysitting at. It was pretty much the same situation. Yeah. Her mother came home, opened the door, found her daughter, trigger warning, sprawled out on the living room floor dead, and she was strangled with an extension cord. And it was around this time that a man named Floyd Crockran, who was a 35-year-old trash man, was arrested for savagely murdering his wife. Once police found out about what he did to his wife, they took him into custody, and he willingly admitted that he did it. Mm-hmm. Given the timeline, the Boone County investigators figured that there was a good chance that he killed Mary Lou as well, just from what they, the information that they gathered. Right. So, in this case, they interrogated him for over 10 hours, and they claimed that he made incriminating statements that were essentially almost confessions that he killed her as well. 
And it was definitely kind of a sketchy confession. I mean, there was no actual evidence connecting him to the crime. Right. But he was sentenced to die on September 26th of 1947 for killing his wife and Mary Lou. Huh. Well, a few hours before he was executed, he took back his entire confession about Mary Lou. Mm-hmm. They found out that he had clearly been coerced into giving a false confession, but at that point, the case had already been solved for years. So they started thinking that maybe the person that killed Janet also killed, killed Mary, Mary Lou. Lou. Which is probably what happened, because these police officers... Like, not these police officers in general, not a generalization, but these police officers that do this will just beat somebody down mm-hmm. forever, 10 hours, being in, like, in an interrogation. Could you imagine being interrogated for 10 hours? No. I'd be like, yeah, I did. Can I go Can home? I just go? Like, just put me in jail. Yes, I, I did, did it. it, okay? Like, people <laughs> think, no, why would you ever confess to something you didn't do? But it happens all the time because yeah. people will be interrogated until they're just mentally done Mm -hmm. and they just can't take it anymore and they especially do it for people who have like lower IQs or like special needs they'll just coerce them into and they're like well they did it and it's like why is that what's the point in having somebody do a false confession or you coercing someone and now like well that case is closed like Mm -hmm. no it's not because now look you don't even have the right person yeah, Mary Lou. I mean, they're probably murdered by the same person. The cords. Could be. <gasps> well, the police continued to talk to the family, friends of the family, and people that knew Janet. Right. And one name kept popping up, and he eventually became their prime suspect. And his name was... Are you ready for this? No. His name was Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller was 27 years old at the time, and he was very good friends with Ed Romack. They went all the way back to high school. Robert had served in World War II and an Army Air Corps captain, and he later returned to Columbia, Missouri, and looked after his father's restaurant, the Mueller Virginia Cafe. One thing that pretty much everyone they talked to said about Robert is he was known for carrying around mechanical pencils. But when they said, when they both talked to Ed and Ann, they both said that Robert was a bit of a creep. Why are y'all hanging out with this person? Yeah, it's like in the beginning, you know, they t- had mentioned that her parents were very protective of her and only let her babysit for people that she trusted and knew. So it's like... Did they not know that he was a creep? Like, had Ann and Ed not ever mentioned it to her parents? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like... Because if they were protective, I feel like she would not be babysitting for him. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Which I guess they're like, well, he's creepy, but he's not going to be there because she's babysitting. So, it's fine. Like, maybe they're thinking that, but I'm that like... That like, his wife's there. Yeah, like, she's never yeah. going to be alone with him. But still, like, uh-uh. Well, Ed said that Robert had mentioned to him several times, including the fact that he wanted to have sex no, with no, a virgin. No, 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 no. Well, obviously, Janet knew Robert as well because, I mean, she babysat for the Mueller family. Yeah. And Ed said that Robert actually made comments to him 
very inappropriate comments about Janet's body. <gasps> 13 is, years old. Why isn't anyone saying anything? Keep in mind, she's 13. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why he wasn't like, like... you think when you grow, like your body grows, your mind grows. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. get... Mm-mm. Well, that's not even like an immature thing. That's like a pervert. Like, mm-hmm. you're nasty. You're talking about a 13-year-old girl's body. And then... Well, I mean, who knows if she was 13 at that time when he made those comments. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, 13 young already, but... It could have been two years ago when been, he said it. Or three or four. Like, disgusting. Ew, 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 yes. ew. Okay. Why did this guy not say anything to somebody? I know. Like, that's... This, this is that time back then where people could say awful stuff and you just listened and you didn't say a word about it. And it's like, no, he's not a creep. He's a pedophile. He's literally having pedophile tendencies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was Sorry, like, this I is my, my fault. fault. I was like, I don't went on a tangent and she done lost her spot. It's my fault. So, okay. Also, Janet had <laughs> Janet had told Ed several times that she just felt uncomfortable around Robert and that he was creepy. So, oh, then no. again, she's but, even saying it. But maybe... At this point, her parents didn't let her babysit, maybe. Yeah. Because maybe she... Maybe she said something to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Like... Yeah. Because if they were all going out together, it didn't seem like she... And their like, they talk. So, obviously, it's like, mom... Like, you would... Well, I mean, then again, you never know. Some kids don't come to parents about stuff like that, but... Yeah. I mean, it said that she told Ed several times. Yeah. So I mean, Ed's she, not her father. No. But... And she could have just confided in yeah, him. Yeah. Could have just confided in him because she didn't want to talk to her parents about it. Yeah. But I feel like if I was Ed... I would have told her I would have told her parents, like, okay, so, you know, or Megan's kids. If Megan came to me about somebody that was friends with, with them or whatever... I'd be like, talk. I'd talk to him and let him talk to me and stuff. And I'd be like, look, Megan, they came to me about this. They're very, you know, I would, I would step up. Like that's a child. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. He may have. Right. Because well, what I was gonna say was, since the Muellers and this family were out together, it didn't seem like she had to pick and choose like who she gonna babysit for. Yeah. So maybe she's not babysitting for them anymore. And she's only babysitting for, you know, yeah, little could, Gregory's could parents. Maybe that's... I mean... But yeah. she did at one point, felt creeped out, and we don't know if Ed said anything or not. And it makes me nervous. Well, he was also a part of a trailer. Did not say that right. He was also a part-time tailor. Oh. So... <laughs> I was like... <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that the killer used an ironing cord and scissors from the sewing room and Anne told the police that day that the day before Janet was killed Robert had come over to her house this is Janet this is Ed's wife come over to her house to help her fit a dress Mm -hmm. she was very uncomfortable after this because she reported him lightly touching her breasts grazing over her and fondling her and you know while he was doing this trying to like not be obvious about it yeah 
Well, Anne even said to the police that she described Robert as a man who used his hands and not his words. So he was very handsy. Hands on. Yes. Just I know. Pig. Like, like all day. <laughs> like just I wonder if that was porky a good pig. 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 If it but was the a bad good, porky pig. If it was a good pig noise, just email us, let us know. Like we need some emails. Yes. <laughs> just kidding. I can't, I can't. On the morning of Janet's death. Robert had actually called her and asked her to babysit his kids that night. Oh, But she declined because she was babysitting for the Romack family already. So she is still babysitting for them. I'm assuming. (sighs) But he knew that she was going to be at the house. Yeah. You know, you're probably wondering how this could possibly be because, I mean... Robert was with the Romack family. They were all out together. Yeah, he was gonna know, and and she's also told. No, him, I like, mean like, how would he have been the killer? Because oh, they were all together, right? Mm-hmm. So they were at a party. Yeah. So this is why they were out so late. They were at a party. Okay. So there were plenty of people around, and it was it really wouldn't be that obvious if he just slipped away. You know what I mean? Your yeah. face. Because <laughs> I'm like, doggone it. He was somewhere where nobody, they went on some like Who double knows? date sitting at a diner all night. Yeah, like, see, he yeah, could no. He could out. have. He, I mean, he could have just doggone slipped away. It. He, he could have just it. slipped away and then they found out that later, well, they found out this is what, this is what happened. I'm getting like mm-hmm. too carried away for a minute. <laughs> They found out that hours into the party, he did slip away for two hours. No. Two. He told some people that he was going to talk to to some doctor that he was going to attend to his son in the middle of the night. So, I guess he made up this thing that his kid was sick or something and he was going to talk to this doctor because he was going to go see it, like tend to his son at mid, in the middle of the night, whatever. Uh-huh. So they went to that doctor to ask and mm-hmm. found out that he did not meet up with him that night. Yeah. So this is making him look pretty suspicious. Yeah. But he managed to make himself even more suspicious because, y'all, I'm telling you right now. So he managed to make himself seem more suspicious. Mm-hmm. Just wait. The morning after Janet was murdered... Yeah. He called Ed and asked if he could come over to the house, help him clean up any of the blood or the crime scene. Oh, feeling bad. Which might seem like, you know, a nice, friendly thing to do. No. But here's the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. He was not even told that Janet was murdered. Nobody was. The only people that knew about it so far at that time were the Romacks, obviously, and the police. And her mom and dad. Uh huh. So, so no the police need- is like, don't say nothing to anybody. To anybody. Like, we're looking at somebody. He looked kind of, you know. Well, Ed thought that this was very strange, so he decided to talk to him further about it. Just I guess to kind of like see see what he'd say, you know. Mm-hmm. So get this. <laughs> Robert started telling him his theories. Oh, oh, he's got some ideas on... On who killed Janet, yes. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Robert started telling him his theories and said 
it's very unlikely that someone came in through the window. He thinks it was someone that Janet maybe knew. Mm-hmm. Someone that she was friendly with, she trusted, and that she probably, you know, let him in herself. Mm-hmm. He specifically said that the easiest way for someone to get in that house, let alone, this is not his house. Like, this okay? is not, okay. This, <laughs> the easiest way for someone to break into your house. Is. Because I did it. <laughs> would be to come to the door and say, hey, Ed sent me over here to get some poker chips. And if someone, if it was someone that Janet knew or thought that the Romax knew, that she would just let them in, you know. Yes, he said that. Oh, just tell it. Just go ahead and tell how you did this. Yeah, because you know darn well. You dirty darn bird. well. That that's probably what he said. Yeah, I mean, he's literally if, the only person. If he's, if he's the killer. Yeah. That's probably yeah. what he would have said. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ooh, I'm tore up. I'm tore up. I'm tore up. How dare you? Uh-huh. So, all this circumstantial evidence is pretty overwhelming, obviously. You know, it seems yes. very obvious that Robert did it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows Robert did it. So, May of 1950, they compiled all the evidence that they had against him and went to his house. Mm-hmm. But instead of taking him into custody for a proper interrogation, they decided to take him out to a local bar. This is another see this, this is, is another stuff. The This is another case about the police being stupid. Like come <laughs> but, on. Uh, what are you doing? Now you have no Not all policemen evidence. are stupid. We love our policemen. We support our policemen, but some of them. Yeah, some 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 policemen, you know, it's I just I mean, you like, always have a rotten one in the bunch or a rotten few in the bunch of like absolutely, anything. Absolutely. <laughs> of anything. People are just people. Mm-hmm. Cops are people just like us and we as we know. And make mistakes. Or do stuff because yeah. they want to, and then you know there are there are some people who are ignorant in this world, and sometimes those people end up being police officers because that's just how it is. It's mm-hmm. to the bar, no to recording, bar. no video. Okay. Well, it was way out of city city limits where no one could hear, and they interrogated him all night long at the bar. At the bar. Why? Well, after talking to him, they were still very suspicious about him. And he agreed to take a polygraph test. Mm -hmm. So he was transported to the state capitol where he took the polygraph test. And he did pass, which we know polygraphs does not mean nothing if you pass or fail. Like, you could be innocent as all get out and take a polygraph test and fail it. Because I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I would fail a polygraph test if I had to do something that I didn't do. Like, they were asking me. I would be freaking out. I'd be like, uh, like my yeah. blood pressure would be up through the roof. They'd be like, yep, she did it. Like, like she, she did she it. She failed. She like, showed no. signs of deception. They're signs not. Signs of deceit. The polygraph tests are not reliable. And no. apparently they were very easy to trick back then. Well, Lord, yeah, and I'm he, sure. And he improved a lot. It, it, it has pr- improved a lot since then. Yeah. But still, it's also, not... If you're a psychopath, oh, you absolutely. Can pass. We've talked about this in a case. I forgot which case it was. I feel like it was one of my cases. Psychopaths can pass polygraph tests yeah. because their mind is totally different. They're not going to show signs of deceit. They don't care. No. <laughs> they don't care. They will lie to your face. That's the scariest thing about a serial killer. They're one of the smartest people. 
when it comes to stuff, certain things. Yeah, yeah. The ones that don't get caught. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just like, mm, anyway. My, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sound like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but yes. Mm-mm. So. Oh, God. So they interrogate him but, out of the bar. Because he passed the lie detector test. Right, right, right. The police decided that they had to let him go. No. No, you don't. Well, they ended up bringing all the evidence to a judge, and after the judge looked over it, they arranged to... Sorry, I have a heartburn. They arranged a jury to investigate his case. However, because the two jurisdictions had completely different ideas of what happened that night, the jury was presented both theories. (laughs) Essentially, they couldn't decide, and because of this, Robert Mueller was never charged. Are you serious? Not only that, he sued the police. He lost, but still. <laughs> like, you got the audacity and the nerve. The audacity and the nerve. So, afterwards, he relocated to Tuscan, Arizona. And in 2006, he passed away of 83 years old. In 2006? Yes. Now, I said this case is solved because he did it. Yeah. They know he did it. But because of this polygraph test... They decided that they, they decided were going to let it go. That they just going to let it go. In these two jurisdictions. And are, the, what's the other theory? What they think happened? Who they think? Who the who? Who the who? Who the who? Who All right, Mike Tyson. Who do they think killed her then? Like, I guess the dog down the street. Because. And let me tell you something else. The reason the dogs lost his scent is because he parked the car down there at the end and then walked on foot. So the trail ended where the car does. That's literally what happens every time. It happens every day. People Mm -hmm. go missing. They're walking. And then you see it just ends at the road. Yep. And it's because they got picked up or something. It happened in the town we grew up in. A girl went missing and her tracks stopped. And she'd been picked up and she was fine. She just like, you know. Go through a crisis. Yeah, she just, like, ran off, but they found her. Everything was okay, but, like, that's what happened. Like, mm-hmm. they lost her scent because she got picked up by some of her friends or whatever. But, yeah, so he was 27 years old during this. Yeah. And he lived to be 83 years old without serving any time for killing her. Yeah. You know, he ne- You know, unfortunately, in the 80s, Anne passed away, Ed's wife. Yeah. Ed got remarried, but he passed away in 2016. So, it ha- he hadn't been gone long. No. Five years? Yeah. So, luckily, Gregory was on home that night, and he grew up to be a successful person, and he ended up settling down in Alaska. Hmm. The Christman family was devastated not only that they lost their daughter, Janet, in such an awful way, but... There wasn't any justice for her. No. Now it's been over 70 years and we still have no justice for Janet. Yeah. Pretty much everyone believes it was Robert Mueller, including the Romack family and Janet's family. Yeah. It's just sad that because, you know, one couldn't agree, be a, one couldn't be agreed upon, justice was never served. That's ridiculous. So this was the story that inspired this, the movie... When a stranger calls. Hmm. So you can see if listeners, if y'all, the ones that have seen the movie, 
I know Deidre has. So now you can see it's completely Yeah, different. like there's no phone call except to the police. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's like... That's and like, he basically told us how he did it. Yeah. Oh, hey, Ed sent me over here to get some poker chips. Yeah, like he literally just said something random like that. He's literally the only person besides her parents that she'd probably open that door for. Because mm-hmm. she knew him. And she probably was feeling a little freaked out about it. But when he said, Ed sent me to get this, she was like, okay, come on in. So yep. she op- she had the porch light up or on because he came to the door. Now I'm wondering. I think he, I think he broke the window to, just to break it. I think he did it to make it look make like somebody it more confusing for people. Yeah, and the police. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. then why would you even say, like, why break that window? Because it was proven nobody went through the window, so he broke it, then left the back door wide open to to confuse people. I'm sh- I know that's yeah, what he did. Like, that's the thing. Why cover your tracks like that, we but talk- then talk to Ed and say, somebody probably, uh-huh. and then tell how you did it, because you're sick. See, that's how. Yep. So, um, I thought that was a pretty good case. Ow. It is. Sad, I felt like. It is sad. Ugh. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Not like enjoyed it, but you know what I mean. Yes, you know. Uh, you know if you have saying. any questions or comments about the case. Or if you have theories, if you have anything that you think happened. Yeah. I mean, we're always open to listening to those. And we could always even, like, if people wrote in. We could come back. We could come back and, like, just do, like, a clip of what people, like, bring that case back up and what people think and what they think happened, you know. I think that'd be kind of cool. So, if that's what you want to do, you can email us at amelianmurders at gmail.com. Yes, you can also go to our Instagram at a million murders and follow us so that you can see pictures of, you know, the people, places, things, and everything like that. Yes. Yes. We've got some more followers, so I'll just keep coming. We've got some screaming sugar people that are still on that Instagram, so we're. We still have people following Screaming Sugar, so yeah. that's cool. People are listening to the old one and the new one and and everything, so yes. we're glad you guys are enjoying it. Tell your family, friends, dog, cat, frog, turtle, fish <laughs> about our podcast. <laughs> yes. And thanks for tuning in. And we hope you come back for... A million million more. more. Bye. Bye.